Welcome to the Wrestle Down. <laughs> we ask as though it were a question from high society. Our pinkies are up, and our podcast is wrestling down. Our rankles are also up. The ruffians of the ring we like to speak of, and here we are. Hi, I'm Jer Palapal. <laughs> I'm Dennis Bruno. And our mascot is Keaton the Kitten Man. He is on the bed, uh, drooling up a storm. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, we just watched some stardom, and we're here to talk about... How rest. we're drooling up a storm. <laughs> After wrestling was happening this week. <laughs> it sure was. I, uh, this Sunday, WWD had their... Uh, WWD? Yeah, that's what they did. WWE had uh, the TLCP. WWE had their annual TLC pay-per-view. Yep. Uh, their tribute to uh, Chili, T-Boz, and Left Eye, R.I.P. Fantastic times. Uh, everyone sang a different TLC song. <laughs> yep. Rusev just came in talking about how he creeps, which honestly should have been sung by Lana and Lashley, but... Uh, um, yeah, arguably it's why Seth Rollins likes to burn it down. It's it's a tribute to Left Eye Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that is our summary of TLC. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, they they put on a paper. What was your overall uh, response to it? Um, I feel like the overall response to it was, like... You could use the main event as, like, uh, a microcosm or just, like, a good summary of the whole thing of started really interesting and with, like, a lot of energy and passion and then kind of lost its way in the middle and then, wow, why why is this happening <laughs> towards the end? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair, actually. Yeah, the night started hot with the New Day versus the Revival in a ladder match. Yeah. That was very fun. That was a really good match. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. It's it's the strongest version of the New Day athletically versus mm -hmm. the Revival who uh, managed to not fall over. Good yeah. for them. <laughs> well, uh, one of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Dash Wilder. Yeah. And, uh, like, every week I feel like I, I make a note about just like either from the Hall of Fame he should have gotten a push from defending mm -hmm. Bret Hart or just like now him just not even meaning to do a pratfall but doing one last Friday on SmackDown. Right. Um, but yeah, it, these teams do great work all the time together um so you add a ladder to it of course they would find more ways to be great very very creative it's kind of crazy that like kofi hasn't been in too many ladder matches yeah like, not counting money in the bank style matches just these singles or tag matches where it's very focused because mm. he was able to come up with some really creative stuff that I'm, I'm guessing he's one of the very few people who could do them yeah like when he uh, jumped over the ladder as it was uh coming at him and then did like a springboard off the ropes to the outside to attack a revival. Yeah, and that's exactly like this type of format is almost ideal for him, if not like tailor made for him. Because the other three guys in the match are very ground based. Like mm -hmm. Biggie has his big dive through the ropes, but right. Dash and Dawson have made their bread and butter off the fact that they don't come off the ropes. They don't do flashy offense. Mm -hmm. They're just really good at working together and solid fundamentals, grindy down type of work. 
So anytime Kofi does something with a flourish and with high athletic intensity, he, he shines. Yep, and the Revival were also good at like being the guys who set up different spots and kept it kind of uh, hanging together in between all the more athletically impressive stuff. Yeah. And I mean, the SmackDown tag division, I mean, much like the tag divisions at this point in every roster, don't get a ton of attention, but they have mm-hmm. a surprising amount of depth. And yeah. I feel like at this point, the New Day are more popular than the Revival, so it makes sense to keep the belts on the New Day, have them potentially pair off with, like, Heavy Machinery, mm-hmm. or name another tag team! <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was just... I, I would, but I was trying to think of the Raw tag team division, yeah. and I was like, is there depth over there? It's Kurt Hawkins uh, and Zack Ryder, baby. Yeah, oh, right, they're still <laughs> high. They're still employed. Yeah. How, how crazy is that? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't good, you know? Good for you guys. Yeah. Were they, were they around at the beginning of the decade? Because if they were around for the beginning and the end, they would be two of the very few. Man. Even though I know Hawkins was out for a while. Yeah. Oh, I'd have to think about that a little bit more. I feel like they became the Edgeheads pre-2010. But either way, they've been around a while. They have longevity. Right. But, yeah, with the SmackDown Tag Division, the B-Team are also there. Oh, so, right. I mean, there's opportunities for New Day to do more stuff. And if they ever invest in motivations for these teams beyond just hey you guys are popular and have a catchphrase then revival's got some fun times ahead i mean the royal rumble's coming up and i feel like that's the most logical spot for kofi to do his daring return to the ring i'm interested to see if they do that with john morrison now that morrison's back in the fold right i wonder when he's gonna i think you might have called it it's he seems like a very good prize entrant for the rumble yeah absolutely all that in and, like, made a lot of his uh, hay in the WWE in the tag division. So, all of that to say, very good SmackDown championship tag team ladder match. So, a good way to start the event. Mm. Oh, I just looked it up. Zack Ryder joined WWE. Well, okay. He de- joined the developmental in 2005. Yeah. And he was in La Familia in 2007. Damn. So, so that's a very long time because I remember when I graduated from UMass. He was just kicking off the true Long Island story mm-hmm. in 2009, 2010. So kudos for him for sticking around for that long. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of people who can say they've done that consistently. Mm. Even though like he's not really used all that much, and it's you know it's, it's very up and down his career. But yeah, good tag team start, and I think you're right about Morrison being a surprise entrance in the Rumble. Yep, that would make sense. Hopefully, Alyssa will watch it with us, and. Her reaction will be better than when Jeff Jarrett came out last year. What was her reaction then? Uh, she's like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> and she's very open-minded about anybody who goes in the ring. Uh, but that, <laughs> I think that pushed her too far. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with Jarrett if you don't immediately start with him either strumming a guitar or strutting or throwing a Memphis right hand. You're mm-hmm. just like, why is this man? Right. Yeah, it was weird having him uh, show up for a few weeks on Raw earlier this year. God, yeah. Yeah. What a year it's been! What a year! <laughs> uh, I'll pull up the rest of the... What was... The, oh, the next match was probably the match of the night. Uh, Buddy... Mer- I almost said Buddy Holly. Ooh, we... <laughs> Buddy Holly versus the Big Bopper. <laughs> <laughs> versus a plane. Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy mm-hmm. is the one that happened. And it was fantastic. Yeah, this this is the type of match that people have been talking about beforehand. Of just like, if you give two guys like this enough time to just athletically beat the shit out of each other, 
What a match they could have, and what a match they did have. Yes, there's very little build-up to this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mostly it's mostly based on somebody knocking on a door. Yeah. Oh, wrestling. <laughs> like, that, and like, as much as we complain about there being a lack of logic and planning, this is when wrestling is at its simple greatest, of mm -hmm. just, there was a guy sitting in a room who is a face in the context of all of this, who's just like, I'm not getting my due because no one's coming to me, which is very entitled. Right. And then a heel is just like, I'll knock on your door, but I won't stick around. <laughs> and it became a match. Yeah. Wrestling. All those Australians with their weird sense of humor. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, fantastic. It's it's like an indie showcase. Like it's something you would see at Beyond. Yep. Uh, just because or PWG, just because they just threw two people in the ring who are very talented and they made you care by hitting each other super fucking hard. Yeah. Elster Black is at his best in matches when I feel like he is able to make it a longer, like, 15-20 minute match based on psychology of him gradually getting more upset mm -hmm. and releasing his inner rage or striking incredibly fast and seeming like he never tires. Yeah, and it was good. It was a great match for uh, Buddy Murphy. I yeah. almost said Buddy Holly again. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great match for Buddy Murphy. You did it! <laughs> um, yeah. Oh boy. I... And I mean, I feel like Buddy Holly... Jesus, now I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> Buddy Murphy. Alistair Black broke his glasses. <laughs> uh, Buddy Murphy. Like, it, it seems like... It, it, it's almost unfitting to call him the best kept secret as much as he's just, like, the best possible way to make anybody look good. Mm -hmm. It's not as snappy a, a catchphrase. But, like, he... Oh, it, in the last year and a half, two years, he's looked at his best when he's losing, or when he's working really hard and ends up losing. Yeah, yeah. It's I. It, I he kind of needed this match. Yeah. In a way, just because he's just been hanging out on the main roster, other than that time he got kicked and uh, he got beaten up by Roman Reigns. Yeah. For not trying to murder Roman Reigns. <laughs> That'll teach him. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> what a year! <laughs> so it's. Like, God. so good to see both of them, like, do a match like this and have this on the card. It was... Pr Would you say it was the high point of the the card? Because um, I'm thinking it is. In-ring, yeah. Is in, in terms of, like, uh, storyline development, character development, there's a higher spot that we'll True. get to. Okay. But um, as far as just, like, a bang-bang wrestling match, bang-bang. This was it. You hear that, Keaton? Bang-bang. Bang-bang. The next match... I should say, when we did our preview, there was only six matches announced, and they only did eight, so they only added two more. Yep. Very interesting. So the next match was the Viking Raiders, who had a open challenge, which was answered by the OC. Sure was. Uh, Marissa and Seth. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, uh, they came out, and they basically called the Viking Raiders lame. And that was about all they needed to have a, a quick match. Yeah. That, you know, just basically put the Viking Raiders over. This is, and I mean, this is the part in the, the card where we're starting to get a sense of just like, all right, not everything was re was particularly thought through. Yeah. They set up a KFC table nearby. Oh, right. This was the KFC match. This was the KFC. Yep. I mean, that to describe it that way makes it so much more interesting, aside from we don't have challengers lined up for the Viking Raiders. <laughs> so product placement it was so weird because i think they aired a promo about aop and seth rollins like right before this match mm. so like the viking raiders came out and they were like that's a viking stock open challenge yep come on 1400s read your history and then 
and then the OC came out, and it just felt kind of out of place. Yep. But I guess they just need to do this. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll have the uh, AOP uh, Viking Raiders big match at the Royal Rumble or something like that, or have them meet up in the Rumble. It makes sense. I feel like a title change from the Viking Raiders to kind of anybody else's welcome at this point, which is mm. nuts because they haven't been champions for that long. They just have, they don't have enough strong teams to no. keep interesting. And and Jesus, on that point, like since winning the titles, they've pretty much fought jobbers exclusively mm-hmm. since. So there's, it's not their fault. There's just not enough interest around them or this particular run. Yeah. So not much to say about this match. Not much to say about Anderson and Gallows. It, it's so weird how they sometimes, they like, in microwave terms, they get put on like a level one or a two, they spin around in a, th- in a circle for like 30 seconds, and then they go see what AJ Styles is doing. <laughs> That's... Man, AJ Styles, not doing anything this pay-per-view. Nope. Very strange. Right. So None of, none of the mid-card titles uh, this pay-per-view. Yeah, which like Braun Strowman was hurt, so, right, or like sense. had some kind of injury, so it took out Shinsuke. Yeah. Uh... I guess Mojo wasn't important enough, so that means Sammy totally had nothing to do. Yeah. Sammy Zayn. <laughs> Bray wasn't defending the U.S. title for reasons. Uh, um, Bray? You mean the Universal title? Ray. Ray Mysterio. Oh, Ray Mysterio. I thought yeah. it was Bray, yeah. No, it's because, yeah. I, so little time between Survivor Series, TLC, Bray, no work good, <laughs> not book match time enough. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, this is an interesting match. I'm sure... The KFC that they served up to those audience members slash plants, whatever they were, mm-hmm. seemed seemed delicious. Uh, <laughs> Using smell-o-vision. The first uh, tables... Okay, the first tables, ladders, and chairs match of the night was King Corbin versus Roman Reigns. Yep. Wikipedia says with Dolph Ziggler, Scott Dawson, and Dash Wilder, but that's not necessarily true. That's not how the match started. Yeah, the match started with them pointedly saying, he's alone this time! King Corbin is alone! He he has nobody to help him out. And guess what? He had a lot of people help him out. He had everyone help him out. Mm -hmm. It just... Ugh. Roman Reigns is a problematic character again, in the sense that through no fault of his own, he came back after beating cancer. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he hasn't become just like an unstoppable heroic force since and they just can't seem to get away from their worst habits which is can he overcome the odds can he overcome the odds can he overcome the odds mm-hmm. the answer is no after like seven or eight people beat him up yeah which is reasonable <laughs> it's more reasonable than john cena a right. lot of times but it also is one of those things where like so many wwe main roster fans are conditioned to expect john cena booking that mm-hmm. it's not a letdown, but just kind of a huh moment when he doesn't overcome. And, uh, like, I can't really tell you that King Corbin needs the win. Because mm. I can't really tell you that Bar- Baron Corbin needs more than he has. Yeah. He's so bizarre in he's, the sense he's that... He's literally a king. Yeah. He won the King of the Ring. He, like, used his influence to transform Chad Gable into a basketball player. Mm-hmm. What, I, I'm not really sure what he gains by continually beating Roman Reigns unless it's long term awaiting for him to like challenge for the universal title but he's a heel right. and Bray Wyatt is whatever Bray Wyatt is so I it's one of those matches where I'm like okay if I don't understand why he won at least I understand where he's going nope mm-hmm. no idea yeah I feel like this could pay off with Roman getting a well, getting him out of the ring in the rumble yep maybe or maybe they just keep Roman out of the rumble because that's always a mess yeah 
We'll see. I thought it was an okay match. Just the ending was kind of dumb because it took... I can't believe this match was 22 minutes long. Yep. I look at these match times on... Uh, they have them listed on Wikipedia. And I'm just like... They don't match up with my memory of the night. Yep. Just weird. I mean, I'm glad that the New Day and the Revival got close to 20 minutes. Match felt shorter than that, which is probably a good thing. Right. It's action-packed. Yep. Uh, Viking Raiders versus the OC... Eight minutes seems long, not without the KFC stuff at the end. And then we got the next match, which is Bray Wyatt defeating The Miz, which was six minutes and 40 seconds. This... I thought this was longer than that. It felt so much longer. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't catch the entrance for this. I, I kind of jumped around as I was watching TLC. Mm. So I didn't see, like, the fun, fun, ha-ha titantron that children's host Bray Wyatt got when he yeah. came up. I was very confused when it was that version of Bray Wyatt and not The Fiend at any point. Right. And just in hindsight of thinking about this match, I'm like, The Miz fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't even lose to like the powered up, unstoppable version of Bray Wyatt. He lost to the one who's never wrestled before. <laughs> well, he is still the champion. I mean, it is... I don't know how strong he is in kayfabe because it's his first match. Yeah. You know, he did He did still win in, like, two moves. Right. After The Miz just threw every move he had at him for a while. And, like, Miz, Miz did his absolute best with the booking of this. Of mm -hmm. just, like, he did angry versions of all of his offense, but Miz, I love The Miz. I think that in majority of his programs, he carries them, he does them well. In ring, he... He's at the best he's ever been, where he's incorporated a lot of Daniel Bryan stuff as just part of him, rather than just kind of like as a callback to him. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think it hit here. And so, like, him just making, like, growly faces while he's doing stomps and clotheslines, I was just like, eh, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and Wyatt sticking his tongue out all the time, it was just, it was a very kooky match. <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah. Very strange. I like the idea of Bray Wyatt sometimes being Bray Wyatt sometimes being the fiend. Yep. And not really knowing which is which. This just wasn't uh it just wasn't exciting to watch no. for the six minutes. It, it's kinda of weird that like these pay-per-views start to feel a bit like what Raw should be. Yeah. Except doing a monthly schedule of them is pretty uh reasonable, whereas he couldn't do this every week, I guess. Mm. So you gotta do the, the the Raws that are like the road two shows in New Japan. Anyway. It's, yeah, what a weird match. It's all about what happened afterwards, though. Yep, this is the peak of the character development that we were uh, alluding to earlier. So, homeboy Daniel Bryan um, comes out in a maroon hoodie after uh, Bray Wyatt catches an image of the Fiend on the Titan Tron, so you think there's going to be, like, a transformation of Bray Wyatt, the children's host, into his demon version, but nope, it's a transformation of Daniel Bryan into American Dragon Daniel Bryan. Yeah, he looks exactly like he did at the start of the decade. Yep. And it's terrifying. It is. If if anyone's going to fight him, this is the guy who will just kick your head off, who will stretch it like crazy in the yes lock, mm -hmm. who will knee your face in. This is this is best version Daniel Bryan. Yep. He's, uh, he's going back farther beyond the yes movement into what he was when he first came to WWE. And hopefully it works out for him, but it won't. <laughs> it's a nice look but there is no way i don't think bray wyatt's losing the title before wrestlemania interesting 
Um, I think that if nothing else, it's going to make for a more heated Royal Rumble match mm. between the two. Yeah. I feel like if Daniel Bryan's going to have more of an edge, he's going to stand more of a chance against The Fiend, assuming it's The Fiend who he faces. And right. if not, then he's going to beat the bejesus out of the children's host. Yes. Which, um, what year was it? It was... The year of WrestleMania 30, so five years ago. It'll be six mm. years ago, I think, when the event comes. Yep. He fought Bray Wyatt is and wasn't scheduled for WrestleMania yet and lost that match. So then people shit all over the New Day mm-hmm. because they just didn't want to cheer them. And then especially shat all over Rey Mysterio who came in at 30 because Brian was not in the Rumble at all. Right. And that's who people wanted that year. So very interesting just kind of like looking back on the last five, ten years in like where we've been, where we are. We're going back to Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan for, at this point, major consequences because it's a title match. Yep. It's going to be good. Yes, that's going to be a fun feud. I haven't watched a SmackDown in weeks. Uh, It's unfortunate that that show is on Fridays when I am busy and slash or too stubborn to watch it illegally. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what you want from your wrestling fan base. I'm just like, oh, I could watch, but I feel stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) I could, but there's also so many other things, and I'm almost caught up with Schitt's Creek. (laughs) And, and I, I mean, maybe I'll have time now that Watchmen is over. Watchmen also being pro wrestling in its own way. Yeah. Um, um, people in tights arguing about shit that happened 30 years ago. It's wrestling. It's true. No selling a bunch of squids from space. <laughs> <laughs> they, so, they sold it. No, they did. Um, before we move on. Okay. Uh, did we talk about, um, or was it mentioned in the listing there of uh, Umberto Carrillo versus Andrade? Oh, right. That was on the pre-show. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch the pre-show, so I didn't see the match. Okay, because I had seen highlights from it, and I feel like that's when Andrade got his face messed up. Yes, he did. Um, so just wanted to kind of give that match a special shout out mm-hmm. because the two of them just hustled their asses off. I believe it. It's just a bummer because it seems like they're building towards breaking up Andrade and Zelina. That's true. I, I don't want to see that. I no. feel like this is that's the quickest way for somebody like Andrade to fall down the rod roster because they hate people who don't speak English fluently, mm-hmm. and that's what Zelina does for him in part. So hope that doesn't happen, but like the match. It seems like they're marching towards that, and it's unfortunate. But you can't go wrong putting Andrade in with anybody of even moderate athletic ability. Yep. And Umberto is that plus some. He is moderate plus. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next match is a tables match, seemingly decades in the making. Oh boy. Bobby Lashley with Lana finally fought Rusev after months and months and months of having sex with Rusev's wife and putting it in Rusev's face. That didn't come out right. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just every time held out a hand and said smell <laughs> <laughs> just months of that on raw and uh, I thought the match was alright um I think that these are the types of matches where a, a comparison to a, a similar match would be like John Moxley versus Kenny Omega mm-hmm. where those are two smaller more agile dudes so I feel like the moments that they had in this match were more plotting between like big spot strikes. Mm-hmm. Kendo stick stuff felt like it took a while. Chair shots t- felt like it took a while. And then, like, they're two big, beefy dudes. Yeah. So I was hoping they would kind of throw each other into more stuff, but that's kind of the handicap of a table match. Yeah, you can't really. You gotta not throw too hard or right. something bad might happen. So I think that they did, they did the best they could with it. It It's so bizarre watching this in real time because I know Rusev and Lana love it. Yeah. And 
Lashley is just, he's a, he's a trooper. He shows up and he does his best with mm-hmm. whatever he's given. Um, and people still love watching this shit on YouTube, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I thought it was a satisfying match. Not the best. I think if it was a regular match, it would have been better. Yeah. I don't, tables matches are kind of, I feel like they exist because the audience always chants, we want tables. Yep. And I think that happens because tables are easy to chant for. Yeah. There's, they're not really great for these table matches. It doesn't really build to a satisfying climax, especially in, no. in this match, because there were so fucking many. Yeah. Like, there were there were two different tables and corners. There was one table outside the ring. One inside, I remember that part. The very fin- the finishing sequence of it was just like, logical table break. Nope, gonna throw you across the ring. Illogical yeah. table break. <laughs> Lashley wins. Yeah, that was... I thought that was kind of cool, though, because the audience definitely thought they fucked up. Yeah. Because the ending show had a, a corner... Or a table at each corner, and Lashley went to spear Rusev through one, but Rusev just bounced off of it, and then everyone was like, ah, you were supposed to break that table, you fucked up, but then Lashley just threw Rusev over his shoulder and smashed him through the other table on the other side, and I thought that was very cool. It was a fine match. You know, it's a big bruiser match. Hmm. At this point in the pay-per-view, I think we'd been through some slow shit. I think it would have been better in the middle yeah, closer to the beginning. Hell, yeah, I was gonna say, like, even as an opener, of yeah. just like if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a match that's built around, like they're gonna, they're gonna punch, they're gonna form, they're gonna do mm. strikey stuff, and then they're gonna elevate that violence with weapons, and then end on a table match that you get people pumped. If they'd switched this and the Black Murphy uh, match, it probably would have flowed better, mm. just because that was a faster match. Yeah, you mean Blake Holly? Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> Blake and Buddy Holly. All right, so let's get to the main event. Main event. With the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kairi Sane, versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Versus sor- concussion safety. <laughs> submission sorority. Oh, boy. <laughs> They're back. <laughs> and submissive more than ever. <laughs> uh, what was really submissive was just concussion safety. Yeah, I know. Um, it, it seemed like... Um, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of different theories on when, but at some point during this match, Kyrie Sane got hurt, and it was very. At some point, it became very apparent. Yeah. Like some people are saying it happened earlier in the match, but then there's a point. Uh, I think it was when they had a spot where Charlotte and Becky were both on tables, and Kyrie was gonna jump off and do something from the top rope, and the camera shook so it wasn't clear what happened when she landed but right after that she just fell down and then the refs had to check on her yep and she tried to she tried to continue that match and it did not look good honestly i i was very tired at the t- at the point in time that this was happening live mm-hmm. so i remember watching it and remember thinking this has slowed down a whole lot, and I can't specifically understand why. Yeah. I feel like I, I really did like the spot where uh, Becky Lynch got tied to a ladder with, like, a yeah. sailor's knot. I thought that was really creative use of Kyrie Sane's backstory. Mm-hmm. And it was even, like, I feel like that's at a point in the match where she'd already been concussed, right? Um, It depends on when you think it happened. Okay. If you think it happened uh, when she took a suplex into a barricade and then yep. smacked her head on the ground, which also could have been it. Uh, then, yeah, that would have been it. I think it maybe started there and then got aggravated later. Yeah. Who knows? Because she was more or less fine at that point. Right. More Just to frame the point of, like, whenever... 
and I don't love this in, in WWE matches where they slow down to do really convoluted like prop spots. Mm-hmm. But I thought that it worked and I liked it a lot. And then whenever it went back to the physicality, it just felt like everything was slowed down like four or five times speed. And I was like, okay, I don't understand why this is that. Like Kyrie diving under the ring and both Becky and Charlotte like trying to navigate to pull her back out. I was like, why is this taking so long? <laughs> yeah. And in hindsight, it makes perfect sense of just, like, maybe trying to give her more time to recover or build suspense no. towards, like, Asuka breaking them up. I still think that that's, uh, that was before she was really, like, concussed. Okay. I think she seemed fine-ish until then. She even seemed fine, like, up on through that table spot I mentioned. She was stomping on the stairs, still in character, still fine right up until... I think what happened was... I think that spot was supposed to be she goes through the table with Becky... But Charlotte gets out of the way. Yep. But I think Charlotte, like, need her on her way up while she was rolling out of the way. Uh, I think it was an accident like that. Yep. Uh, because then she was dazed badly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of... It's it's horrible that, like, that happened. But it is kind of sweet watching them, like, help her. Right. Try to just navigate through this thing. Watching Becky very, very gently hit her with a chair. Yep. And then say something to her while they were, you know, they thought the camera wasn't on them. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're total professionals. Yep. And that, that shown through, if accidents are going to happen during matches, mm-hmm. then as a fan, as, especially at this point in my fandom, I would rather they err on the side of caution than try to, you know, hurt right. themselves permanently. Right. Yeah, I wish they'd figured something else out. Yeah. But it seems like, I don't think they knew that Kyrie Kyra was bet off for at least a couple minutes after she was, like, uh, knocked out. Yeah. I feel like it should have been especially obvious as, like, she was struggling to throw chairs in the ring. I remember watching that and thinking, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that was after. No. No? No, that was before. Huh. I think she was she was still kind of fine then. Okay. Yeah. It was very obvious when she was visibly trying not to take a table spot from Charlotte. Yeah. That was, like, right after I think it happened. Okay. And, yeah. It was just pretty late in the match. Yeah. I think things were really good up until that point, and then... You're, like, watching Charlotte try to get Kyrie into a powerbomb position, but Kyrie's kind of not sure what's going on. Yeah. And, oh, God, brutal. Not good. It, it did really take away from the match, but otherwise the match was so good up until that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of good, even considering all of that, that they still decided to keep the titles on the Kabuki Warriors. Mm-hmm. I feel like it does way more for them to be able to do that. If Kyrie's hurt for now... Yeah. You still have friggin' Asuka leading mm-hmm. the charge. Right. I think we're going to get... I mean, I think it seems like a building towards Becky versus Asuka solo, which Works is for me. fine. Yeah. Yep. Becky wants to get her win back over Asuka from last year's Rumble. We can get a rematch. I'm happy to see that anytime. Yeah. And Charlotte can go find something else to do. Yeah, whatever Whatever she wants. She can hang out. Yeah. She can spear Noe Jose, slap him across the <laughs> face. <laughs> Would Andrade be okay with that? <laughs> um, I said no way, Jose. I so know. My guess is yes. <laughs> oh, I yeah. thought you meant to say. I thought you were intimating like. Actually, I thought you were trying to reference Zelina Vega there for a second. No. Okay. No. Oh, that kind of spear. <laughs> <laughs> we're fast. We're furious. <laughs> and I don't know. I thought I thought the main event was a good match. Just you know, horribly hampered by having to just rejigger it on the fly. Yeah. Like, obviously, the, the rope thing probably was meant for Kyrie to pull the, the ladder down at the end mm. uh, to get Becky off the thing so Asuka could climb the ladder. Very good creativity in those spots. Yeah. And Asuka, I feel like this was some of the best stuff I've seen Asuka do in a main event in a while because she mm-hmm. hasn't been in the main event in a while. Yeah. But 
yeah, some of the best stuff she could do under the circumstances with that. Um, I feel like one of your messages, uh, either rewatching it today or yesterday, was just like, wow, Becky's had the worst luck with main events. Yeah. It's, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So maybe she starts to turn that around with uh, with her tilt against Asuka next. Yeah, we'll see. I think, uh, I don't know if she would be versus Asuka in the main event, unless anytime Becky's in the main event and like seems like she's going to win, I am afraid that Ronda Rousey's going to come back. Uh. That is that is the thing that, like makes me worried just watching it but it's mania season yep we're getting there so if becky versus oscar winds up being the main event of the Royal rumble i'm gonna say i called it yeah that's fair to say yeah so but overall pretty decent baby excuse me not like considering they didn't have a ton of time to build towards it mm, yeah it, it was not bad not bad just a. if this had been a weekly thing of free tv i would have been very satisfied oh yeah this would have been a hell of a raw yep and then you cut out it was like three hours and 11 minutes, so you cut some of the fat, and you got something pretty pretty delicious, like KFC or lots and lots of chips. Lots and lots of KFC chips. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll talk to the guy about adding some chicken into those chip bags. Seems like a hard uh, hard bargain, but I believe in you. Yeah, I think I can get him to upgrade his, uh, his product base. All right. So, <laughs> you gonna go, you gonna go talk to him, Keaton? Okay, buddy. Keaton is off to negotiate. Yeah, you make sure that he puts the chicken in the bag with the chips, and then we can just stick our hands in, and who knows what's going to come out. Chips, chicken, thumbtacks, whatever. Oh, sugar glass. (laughs) Yum, yum. It's Mm. the glass, that sugar. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Wrestling. So, uh, let's get ready for... Segment Mania! Segment Mania! So this will likely be the last... Well, yeah, it pretty much has to be the last wrestle down of the year. That's true. So, let's talk about our favorite matches. Boom, boom, boom. I already have a theme song for Segment Mania. I don't know why we did that. Because we're creative artists and we can't be shackled by any kinds of habit. <laughs> Anything that was convenient. <laughs> Not for <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Negative. Alright. So yeah, we wanted to look back on the year. It's been a crazy fucking year. Yes. And so I don't know if even I could come close to matching all of my favorite matches, but I replied to something earlier this week and I you know had it in mind. So I've got had some thought about these, hmm. but uh, what's your first favorite match of the? Let's do like, what time is it? We should do like uh, three each or something like that. Three each. That okay. Or maybe four or five. I don't know. Um, I I broke it into categories. I got like WWE's umbrella, NJPW, and AEW. Okay. Um, so I'll just if it's fine, I can just read off a chunk. Okay, go ahead. Um, so for NJPW this year, it's it's been. Super momentous for them as a company. They got New Japan USA now. Mm-hmm. That's going to be uh, bringing more business and matches to mainland US. They had their Madison Square Garden show the weekend of WrestleMania. They had the G1 was also successful. They had Wrestle Kingdom at the beginning of the year. Um, 
And also, for my, one of my first matches of the year for them, um, I got a handful, is uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Jushin Thunder Liger. All right. If you're going to start to wind down a career like Liger's and build towards his retirement matches, him fighting a heavyweight and fighting convincingly and still looking excellent in defeat was an incredibly memorable way for him to go. Yep. Um, in terms of, like, best possible matches on the, the grandest stage, I thought that uh, Kota Bushi versus Tetsuya Naito in Madison Square Garden yeah. was excellent. That was up there. It feels like a preview of what New Japan could really produce if they got, like, a platform like WrestleMania, aside from Wrestle Kingdom itself, but just, like, in the mainland U.S., this is how you showcase your top talent. Mm. Um, super hard-hitting, violent, explosive, incredibly fun. And then the rest were G1 matches. Two of them were right. um, from the final night of the G1, which for me were favorites because it got to show different sides of wrestlers who you don't normally get to see a spotlight on them during the year. Number one was Lance Archer versus Evil. Yep. Because I'm just like, this is this is it. This is why Lance Archer has like reinvented himself and has a renaissance and like what really happens when you get behind this dude and what he can do. Yep. And the other one was Taichi versus um, Ishimori. Um, or Ishii, I'm sorry. Because for me, that felt like the culmination of the tournament for Taichi has arrived as a heavyweight. Yep. This is, this is how you can see that. This is how his moves are really believable. This is the crowd behind him. This is him taking down a rival. It just Hell all yeah. came together. Yes. And just like most fun of the G1 I had was Yano versus Jay White. Oh, yeah. Everyone was so happy to see <laughs> Jay White lose. Yeah, that was a shocker. Yep. Same with Moxley versus Yano, actually. Yeah. Moxley sold that very well. Uh, from Like, for New Japan, I would say Moxley versus Ishii was amazing. Mm. They just they pummeled each other. Uh, it was a, one of the highlights of the first, like, five nights of the tournament. Hey, Keaton, you're back. Did you get the chips? The chicken and the chips? He's covered in chicken! Did you forget? It's okay if you forgot. He ate the merchandise. Oh, oh that's where your hairball was. Oh, okay, I didn't see that. Wah, wah. Okay, well, watch your feet, Dennis. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't think you got it. Nah, I'm good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that was just a hard-hitting match. Probably my favorite of the G1. Dang. Yeah. Uh, well, I also really loved Ibushi versus Jay White at the G1 finals. That was just the perfect... The for, the way it was framed with Jay White coming out with all of the Bullet Club versus Ibushi just on his lonesome mm. and before the ref kicked all the Bullet Club guys out. Yep. It was just the perfect way to start this match and to establish who these characters are and what they stand for. That's kind of shit I eat up. Well, Will Ospreay versus Shingo at the... Um, best of the Super Juniors? Best of Ju Super Junior final, Finals. 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 Fantastic match. Mm. That had my heart racing. And I'm pretty sure I watched it live, and it was a lot to take in. Yeah. Those guys hit each other hard and are very fast. I mean, the NJPW is arguably never at its... Never better than when it's the the finals of a tournament, mm -hmm. and the stakes were appropriately super fucking high. You yep. had the tournament final on the line. Um, Shingo had never been beaten. Osprey, I wasn't convinced was going to win, so for yep. me it was a shock that yep. um, he beat Shingo and put put the first L on him. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, um, was Osprey champion already? Yeah. Yeah, so on top of that, it was just like, wow, you're going to have the champion win the tournament itself. That, in and of itself, it just seems monumental and made him seem like such... The win itself seemed like such a bigger deal. Or was he the champion then? I feel like he would have fought Dragon Lee after. Yeah. 
I'll look it up. Okay. But yeah, it tremendous. Just a great match. Mm. Um, but yeah, and I mean the the best of the Super Juniors was chock full of like super memorable tilts between people. Yep, Rocket Romero versus Phantasma, probably the best Phantasma match in New Japan. Yep. Which like we've talked about it before on here of just like Phantasmo is somebody who's like 75% of his way there to like being a star in NJPW. Mm-hmm. He won uh he won the uh Oh, the, the golden jacket that you win as a junior. Uh, the Super J Cup. Yep. Um, and Rocky Romero is just chock full of personality. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the last element to Phantasmo, because like, he's got the entrance, he's got the the gear. His moveset's okay, his mannerisms are alright. I just... It, it's mom- it's matches like that can, that can help fill in more blanks for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good year for New Japan, would you say? Absolutely. I, I mean, mean, it felt like a rebuilding year at first, and just going down the list of matches that they've had in tournaments. It's been amazing. Yeah, I mean, they started the year by having Kenny Omega uh, lose the title to Tanahashi, right? which felt like a returning of the guard, like a rebuilding, like you said, but then very quickly, Jay White took it, mm-hmm. and then after that, went back to Okada. So, elements of moving forward, elements of moving back, it did feel like there was kind of a vacuum left by the elite members of the Bullet Club leaving, Right. but they filled it in very, very well. You would barely notice. Shingo Takagi becoming the new pareja for uh, LIJ has gone a long way. They still got some ground to cover with the juniors and just kind of like replenishing their roster there, especially yep. in like the junior tag division. Right. But the mid-card is arguably as strong as it's ever been. They added Moxley as a guest star. They've had Jericho pop in. Kenta's back and a big deal for Bullet Club. That's true. That's the other big news. So... They're, they're poised to do incredible things in the year to come, yeah. and even more in the U.S., so that's great for us. Man, Goto's finding his footing, getting a, well, leveling up a little bit there. Yep. Yeah, they've got, and I mean, Wrestle Kingdom looks fantastic on paper, as we talked about last week. Mm. So we will see how that turns out. Let's do, let's do WWE next. Sure. Yeah. For WWE, what I got... I went back and forth on these a bunch of times because I was trying to make room for NXT UK because mm-hmm. there, there's some kind of no-brainer picks in there. But I ended up going with my heart, which I felt like NXT just kind of itself, pure form, mm-hmm. put on the best matches. So the most recent one of those is the Women's War Games match. Absolutely yeah. did not see coming that it was going to be a two-on-four match. Yeah. A- absolutely incredible of Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae ended up being the only two against Shayna Bezler, mm-hmm. Ayo Shirai, Bianca Belair and Kylie Ray, but absolutely because like it spotlighted mm. uh, Dakota Kai's incredibly dramatic turn, beating the shit out of Tegan Knox. Right. Did not think that Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae had a shot in hell at winning. Mm. So every time they had a hope spot towards pulling it out, it was incredible. And then them actually winning Rhea and just kind of like capping off uh, Rhea Ripley's incredible run over that course of a few weeks. It was a star-making weekend for her. Amazing. Yeah. Um, after that, I had the first match between Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic, because without the first, you can't have the next two. Um, absolutely incredible groundbreaking stuff, for in NXT at least, for right. two guys their size who can do what they do. Yeah. And it made people just so hungry for more. Yep. Smart star-making weekend for Keith Lee, the Survivor Series weekend, was also... Yep. That was a good sentence. <laughs> sure woos. Sure woos. <laughs> um, but I'd argue, like, that was the best... Like NXT TV match that mm-hmm. they had all year was oh, between yeah. Djokovic. Um, the best pay per view match with a uh, just hands down 
maybe of all time for NXT, uh, Gargano versus Cole three uh, at uh, Brooklyn three. It was the uh, best of two out of three falls match. Oh yeah, WrestleMania Wait. weekend. Yes, yeah, yeah. I keep I forget that Brooklyn that that Brooklyn pay per view was that Brooklyn four actually. It, it might have been four. Yeah, yeah. I think they just kept calling it Takeover New York, That's even true. though it was in the same spot. But yeah, uh, that was probably the best of their series. It yeah, it's really it, close between that and the one that we were at for Takeover Twenty Five. Right. I I almost included both, but it felt like a cheat. So mm-hmm. um, I picked that one. I didn't think Gargano was going to win. I thought that because of Tommaso getting his untimely injury and all of the energy being put into Gargano becoming a champion by beating Tommaso, yeah. that it just made sense to make Cole your champ and then go back to well, Gargano Ciampa later. Yep. Holy crap, was I happy to be wrong. I've gone back and watched this match probably half a dozen times. Wow, but it's, yeah, I don't blame you. And I was there live to see mm. it. And it's so, like, like almost any match, it's so different being there than it is watching it back. But the emotion of it, the, they worked all of the Undisputed Era in. Mm-hmm. Incredibly clever to have Cole win the first fall and then Gargano have to fight to win both. Yep. He got to celebrate with his family. He got to celebrate with Candice. He got to celebrate with Tommaso. Yep, it was a yeah, beautiful match. Very emotional. And you can't go wrong putting those two guys together, which is probably why they did it two more times. Slightly diminishing returns, but it was still very entertaining every time. The only thing emotionally that topped that from the weekend was uh, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. Yep. Um, yeah, that's on my list. That was like, I mean, it was the best match of WrestleMania, hands down. And yep. just I mean, being there with the 70,000 or however many people it was just screaming for Kofi to win to will himself to become the WWE champion was probably the highlight one of the highlights of my year yeah absolutely arguably one of the highlights of the last 10 years yeah because this is a guy who came into WWE through ECW back Mm -hmm. when it was more or less going to be treated like developmental Mm mm-hmm Worked his ass off through a Jamaican gimmick into fun-loving, high-flying Kofi Kingston, reinvented himself through the New Day, and propelled himself through the power of positivity, friendship, grit, and incredible timing at the beginning of the year to have standout performances and gauntlet matches, elimination chambers, to win in the biggest fashion he possibly could. Yeah. This is... Uh, one, I mean, WrestleMania was filled with these like very emotionally satisfying endings, but that was the one match that held up as a match. Let's see, for WWE, I think one of the biggest no-brainers would be Walter versus Tyler Bate yep. at uh, NXT UK TakeOver. Was it Cardiff? Cardiff. Yeah, that was incredible. That was a true David versus Goliath fight if Goliath or if David was fucking ripped yeah <laughs> and uh, had to lift uh, Goliath a bunch of times and get up from being just beaten down incredibly like I don't react too loudly during matches but that one had multiple instances where that made me just gasp oh, out yeah. loud alone in my I watched it at my mom's house just Walter is frighteningly strong and just watching some really anybody uh, try to fight that is entertaining. Yep. But for someone as skilled as Tyler Bate, that incredible. Oh Just yeah. A perfect match. That I mean, the only pe- the only thing that you could argue would be bad about it would be that maybe he held on for too long, but it was still somehow believable because he has that much heart. Yeah. 
it, the ending to the match, though, was exactly what you're explaining, though. Mm. It was just his heart giving out. He yep. lost to a clothesline, which... Right. How many times can you say that in, you know, main, like, modern wrestling times that, like, somebody... And like you said, Walter is freakishly strong. He just hossed himself through Tyler Bate, and that was yep. enough. Right. He had done everything else he possibly could to him, and he just basically held him down. Yeah. I mean, that's probably my match of the year, honestly. But... I also really love Becky Lynch versus Sasha, the Hell in a Cell. Nice. I'm really glad that Sasha Banks came back eventually, and it's kind of too bad that she's kind of fallen back into the background a little bit, Yep. but she did get to shine as a top heel for a bit. I'm sure once she gets back from apparently recording a rap album or whatever, she'll be back and doing whatever she wants. It's good. But she's still amazing in the ring, and they were very creative throughout the match, which is not something you can say about a lot of the Hell in a Cell matches yep. for the you know, the dozen or so they've done in the past, like, five years. That's true. They they did the best they possibly could have in that friggin' cell that was bright red with yeah. the lights on, and they, yeah, no, they absolutely over-delivered. Yep. It was the best match of the night, by far. Mm-hmm. The less spoken about the other match, the better. That was the main event, and everyone went home happy. <laughs> everyone went home after one match. It was incredible. Yeah! Good they're, job, everyone. You beat traffic. They were like, wow, we got what we paid for. Oh, another contender for me. EO Shirai versus Candice LeRae at TakeOver. Uh, which TakeOver was that? Um, It was before War Games. Yeah. <laughs> the one before War Games. TakeOver before War Games. <laughs> TakeOver War Games minus one. Yeah. Uh, Candice LeRae and EO Shirai had a relatively quick match. I think mean, if I had to guess off the top of my head, it was like 15 minutes long. But it was like nonstop action with them pulling off every crazy move they could think of. Yeah. And I was thrilled by it. It's just so great to see Io Shirai, Joshi legend, and Candice LeRae, American uh, independent wrestling legend, come together and have amazing chemistry. Yeah. Those types of matches are so important after a big character shift like Io had. She yeah. turned on Candice. She couldn't win the title off of Shayna Baszler, so she took it out on Candice. Kyrie Sane had been called up to the main roster. So she needed to arrive as a big presence, and she did. She still had her high-impact, high-flying offense, but won by submission mm -hmm. with an incredibly painful-looking hold. Um, or technically referee stoppage, because she uh, made Candace pass out from the pain of it. Right. And, like, that was when she really just kind of breathed a lot of life and energy into her new entrance with the new music and the strobe light effect where she just looks like a genuine crazy person yes who is just fueled by rage and violence i don't know if i said this during our uh, takeover war games recap but i did really enjoy her doing her entrance even though she was coming out with other people and it was just normal lighting yeah so everyone else is just walking down the ring looking badass and she's waving her hair around looking crazy um but yeah great match uh great year for nxt a, pat, a year for the main roster where it still exists. Yep. Through sheer momentum and monopoly. And money. Yeah. Billions of dollars. Millions of Saudi money. It will... Yep. Oof. Hey, what happens when you get blood on green money? Christmas colors. Yay! <laughs> it's a happy time of year. Happy holidays. Alright, so... Uh, do you have anything to add about WWE before we... I, I do not. I had okay. AEW uh, to bring us home. Okay, because I was going to say we should end on AEW just because 
They're the new kid on the block. Yep. They started, what? Uh, this they, year. I, mean, I was going to say, I was trying to figure out what month, though. Like, um, It was either June? Something I, like that? Yeah, I want to say it was the end of June. Yeah. Um, with All Out. Yes. The follow-up to All In from last year. Mm-hmm. And then they started on TV in, in uh, October. October. Yeah. So they had a handful <clears throat> of events before their TV debut and just shit tons of memorable moments, memorable debuts. They have a lot of momentum for, at this point, a little under six months of existence and yep. don't seem to be slowing down. Yeah, six months of existence and, like, less than three months of TV stuff. Yeah. I think uh, they've done a fantastic job highlighting how good everyone in the ring is. Everyone is in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I slept last night. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is me, too. It's good. You get pillows. It showed. <laughs> 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 the in turn like it's a mix for me of just like very good matches and very memorable ones. So like one of the most fun matches I remember watching this year was the Cracker Barrel Clash. Oh yeah, he had just three nutty dudes: Joey Janela because that's his thing, mm-hmm. Jimmy Havoc because he's hyper violent, and Darby yeah. Allen who is not afraid to throw his body through barrels. Yep, <laughs> like a friggin' Mario brother. They've done everything right with Darby Allen. Yeah, it's amazing. And it, I mean, it's showing. He's he's on his way to being just like a main eventer at 23. Just nuts. Yeah. But yeah, people jumping off and through each other, mouths full of tacks, um, going through tables, going through barrels. I loved it. And the Cracker Barrel thing just added an extra level of camp to it, which yeah. is, it's kind of, you rarely get that kind of like humor in WWE, which is kind of nice. It was one of the things that showed what kind of alternative they are. I mean, in the same episode, we're talking about how the KFC table was silly, and we're, now we're just, like, gushing over a, a soup barrel. Yeah, because this was fun, rather than some weird uh, thing. Corporate synergy. Yeah. So, yeah, and in that same vein, I liked Moxley and Janela, their unsanctioned match from this year. Mm. Of just, I feel like, with Moxley and Omega, it went on for almost too long for me yeah. in terms of how many prop spots there were but if you were going to introduce Moxley which I think this was his first match in AEW versus Joey Janela who is just a sponge for pain right? it's one of the best ways for the audience to kind of get to know them as the AEW versions of themselves the right guy won and it was incredibly fun to watch definitely I liked uh, Omega versus Sima yeah. from I think Fighter Fest, Fighter I think. Fest. Yeah, that was a fun one. Like you don't expect much from that. Or fight for the fallen. Sorry. Fight for the fallen. Yeah. yeah. There was you know it's hard to expect much from that match, like going in because they're not uh, there's not a lot of heat there, and Omega was still in the midst of break of building up to him and Moxley, which eventually had to get delayed. But I think they put on a really good match that showed the kind of diversity in the roster of AEW just because Sima coming from you know one. Realm of wrestling, Omega kind of globetrotting a bit more. Yep. So they came together. They had fantastic chemistry. There were meteors all over the place. So many meteors. I think Omega got his first win. Yeah. That one. Yep. Yeah. So his first singles AEW one. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So just so that one just kind of probably flew under the radar because overall, Fight for the Fall wasn't the best pay per view. No. But that one was definitely a standout in terms of standouts from their weekly TV. I think. These are their two best matches, Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Darby Allen had his hands literally friggin' taped behind him at one point. Yep. And still nailed, like, all of his signature offense, which it's my big fear in life of watching a Darby Allen match. It's like, oh, this is the one where he just yeah. paralyzes himself. Yeah. Jumping backwards into things, but incredibly heroic. Argu- like, 
through the psychology of the match, the only reason he lost was Jake Hager punched him in the face opportunistically, mm -hmm. and then Jericho took advantage after that. He was on his way to beating Chris Jericho. Yeah. It was... Jericho in AEW has been pretty good. It's yep. weird because he's kind of run his course in NGPW, but uh, in AEW, he's doing a great job. They give him promo time. He puts whoever he's in the ring with over. It's kind of weird because I've noticed that AEW is very match-focused, but whenever they do give someone time to do promos, it's amazing. Yep. Uh, Moxley had a good promo a couple weeks ago. Cody had a great one on like the same show that really got people hyped for his match at uh, the last pay-per-view. Uh, MJF had one last week that was fire. Great stuff. It's one of those, th I mean, I think you just nailed it of yeah. what helps make AEW so different is that because they're so match-focused, mm -hmm. the promos blow you away because you're not oversaturated with them. True. The short ones are short and purposeful. It gets you to the next segment or focuses a little bit on a person's character or it's a spotlight on them, a showcase of why they're, they're so motivated for this match or this rivalry. One I would like to shout out. Actually, well, first off, one that I'm surprised you didn't mention, uh, the Young Bucks versus Private Party at Boston Dynamite. Top of Dude. my list. Oh, okay. That was the one that we yeah, we were at that one. Yep. And that was incredible. Yeah. Just incredible to be there watching a star get made. I thought about this match in the context of all the other tag matches that AEW's had. Mm -hmm. And as, as great... A chemistry as the Young Bucks have with uh, the Lucha Bros, I'd argue this is the best tag match AEW's had yet. Because you genuinely didn't know who was going to win. Not be not before the match, but as the match was happening, you started to believe that Private Party could pull it out. You weren't mm -hmm. fully convinced, and then when they did, it was euphoric. Yes, yeah. Um, you can feel the audience just kind of like elated in disbelief in yeah. a way. That's amazing stuff. Also, we got to shout out Cody versus his brother, Dustin. That is my EW match of the year. Yeah. that's. I mean, that just sets apart, or that shows what sets them apart from WWE so much. Grounded, emotional storytelling, lots of blood that didn't necessarily... It wasn't so much about the blood, but the blood made it more dramatic. Mm -hmm. And it took some interesting storytelling where Cody... He wears so many different faces for EW here. He's an executive vice president. He's an on-air talent. He's a... I'm, I'm sure he's vested in some way in ownership. Yeah. So, comes in as, like, an entitled heel and is running his brother down. And his brother comes in as kind of like a scrappy underdog. He beats Dustin, as he, I would say he should have, mm. and then turns face to form a tag team with him. There were yep. just so many layers and important elements that they got right. And with kind of a minimalist approach. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a lot going on uh, on air to build to it. I mean, you could argue that they did a lot on YouTube, but, like, not everyone's watching every YouTube thing. No. Because I do not have the time, and I'm, I'm sleepy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I, I think they've had a really good first year. First, yep. really half year, sort of. But they show a lot of promise, and they're doing mostly the right things. Yep. And now that WWE is releasing some people and AEW is smart enough to sign hot indie stars like Chris Statlander, mm -hmm. their, their upside it just seems so much clearer than it does. Like, all the, the I don't like this. I don't understand this. Because, like, whenever you want, you can focus on areas where a company's not as strong. Like, the, the women's division's kind of strange at the moment. Where yeah. Rio hasn't really been around. The rankings don't really tell the full story of what's going on. No. Everyone uh -huh. is, like... 
everyone's like 3-2, there's a goth cult that's cutting people's hair off. Yeah. But it, it generally feels like the type of company that if you do pay attention close enough, like in, say, a Dark Order promo, mm. you're going to catch some Easter eggs that are going to reward you later. Yeah, they're doing an A-plus job with the Dark Order promos. That's if I, If not for Bray Wyatt, I would say that they would be the turnaround of the year. Yeah, going from like who who are these guys? What? Why should I care? To I love these stupid commercials that they're doing that are fake that are for a that you can actually join their cult. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see them wrestle now. I didn't yeah. want to before. Yep, exactly. But I think that's been our year. Oh, maybe when we come back for January, we can. We, I was like, wait a minute. We can recap the last ten years. Yeah, we could we could do like favorite promos or something like that. But also the next. The next time we tape is going to be after Wrestle Kingdom, so that's probably out. So we're probably going to have to we'll have our hands full with two days of an action. New Japan hype! Yes. So this has been the Wrestle Down. It's also been our first year. Uh, hey! Yeah. Um, I, we, we've existed longer than AEW in a way. Ha <laughs> They could learn from us. <laughs> they could learn. Just wayward amounts of time per episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Pat, for the equipment and for the uploading and the time. Uh, thank you for being a great co-host. Of course, it's been a genuine pleasure each week. Yes, and Keaton uh, just ran away because he doesn't like being thanked. He's humble. He finally figured out who Triple H is. He has to go tell Alyssa. <laughs> oh, you, you tell your mommy, buddy. All right, and this has been the Wrestle Down. Thank you for listening up. <laughs>